This was just something I was doing because I loved pizza and uh, I had got the bug and I was obsessed by it and I was kind of working as hard as I could to get as close to uh, the Greenwich Village style pizzas uh, that I remembered. From a slice a day habit as a kid growing up in Queens to becoming a newly transplanted Chicagoan trying to crack the code on how to replicate the pizza he remembered from Greenwich Village. Robert Garvey has been on a lifetime quest for pizza perfection, spending years on his dough. That effort has paid off with his newly reopened restaurant in Chicago, focusing on artisan pies with memorable crusts. The story behind Robert's Pizza and Dough Company, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to another edition of Pizza City, everybody. Great to have you along with us. We've got a great uh, pizza story today. Typical kind of in the industry, somebody who really followed their passion, but uh, man, this guy spent a long time on his dough recipe. Robert Garvey is our subject today. Um, met him about 10 years ago through a mutual friend here in Chicago. Um, this mutual friend of ours, uh, the Mosiers, uh, live uh, in Streeterville, kind of downtown near the Gold Coast, and they live in this big apartment building, and they said, hey, Steve, I know you're into food, and um, I know you like pizza. You should come over sometime. One of our neighbors has kind of jerry-rigged his oven, and he's come up with this dough recipe, and he's kind of testing out some pizzas. And we went over to their house, and, um, you know, Robert and his wife, Dana, were there, and they were just um, so sort of giddy about pizza. And Robert really, I mean, he, he comes from an engineering background, so he really kind of uh, disassembled the idea of pizza and sort of put it back together again with, in, in his vision. Um, again, based on growing up in New York City, um, eating around the world, uh, but really, really trying to get uh, to an, a, a wonderful crust that cracked just so. Um, and... So I love the pizza, um, asked if he was coming out with a restaurant. He said, you know, one day, uh, fast forward about eight or nine years, and he opens a restaurant location here in Chicago. Um, again, down in that Streeterville area near, kind of not, not far from Navy Pier. It's great. And I wrote about it, and I put it in my book. It's my number one artisan-style pizza. I mean, he really, his crust is all this beautiful open crumb. It's got this evenly browned, sort of burnished exterior uh, on the heel, and it just has such great flavor. You don't want to leave any crust orphans on the plate with this one. Um, has a dispute with his partner slash landlord. They close the place. Now, my book comes out, and the restaurant's not open yet. And I'm kind of freaking out, like, Robert, when are you opening the pizzeria already? You're in the book. He's had all these, you know, as you find construction problems, you run into all these barriers when you're building a place, and they were building in an old place about two blocks away on this little slip called the Ogden Slip in Chicago, really beautiful little bucolic spot kind of away from traffic. They get the place open in May of this year, a couple months ago, and um, they're firing on all cylinders. It's as good as it ever was. I'm a huge fan of this pizza, Pizzeria Bibu's another artisan style I just love in Chicago, um, but um, I sat down with Robert recently, and I asked him about his eating experience growing up in New York City. The earliest pizza memory. Go. Sal's Pizza in Woodhaven, Queens. 
25 cents a slice going to school. Couldn't, couldn't beat it. No connection to selling car mines on the Upper West Side. No, definitely not. Okay. <clears throat> so growing up in, in Woodhaven, Queens, Woodhaven, yes. um, your, your memory is like the big foldable wedge that you fold in half on the, on the heel? Oh, yeah. Big, big pies, probably eight, eight cut pie, um, uh, several pizzas sitting on the counter, reheated in, the, uh, in their uh, brick ovens and uh, served on a paper plate. Was it always a cheese slice for you? Generally it was. It was almost, yes, as, particularly as a kid, cheese was, there was always cheese available. It was pretty much. And you uh, told me when I was doing research for the book that you had like literally a slice a day habit in New York. Was this all through your whole childhood? Uh, I think it was. So in my neighborhood there were several, there were probably three to five pizzerias within several blocks of my, was just a few blocks of my house. So the ones that I do remember were Sal's, Maria's, and I believe it was Carlos. So depending on whether I turned right at the corner or I turned left, depending, that's how I made my pizza selection. So. And then were you living through the sort of the dark days of the New York slices, like the Rays, where there was just lots of cheese and lots of bad quality toppings and this sort of weird competition in New York City? That was like in the 80s, I think. Yeah, that was in the 80s. But, you know, in New York, there was always good pizza to be, to be had. Um, I, I went to the New School for Social Research, and there was a raise just on the, on the corner. So, yes, we did indulge in some raised slices uh, while we were in college. Uh, but there was always great slices throughout New York. So. You didn't professionally do anything culinary-wise, though, right? What did you do as, a, like, as an adult? I spent, uh, when I was younger, I was in the produce business. Uh, then I was, uh, I was in the Merchant Marine for many years. I sailed big tankers and freighters uh, as a marine engineer. Uh, I have an MFA in playwriting, uh, ran a small nonprofit uh, performance space, uh, theater, art, dance in uh, Pittsburgh for a few years. Um, and then my wife and I, we always saw operations at the Bitter End Yacht Club down in uh, Virgin Gorda, where we actually set up our first uh, pizza location, was on the island of Virgin Gorda. Which, uh, how did that go? Actually, that, that has gone, it went very well. Um, we, we took over an existing spot and turned it into a pizza-centric restaurant. And uh, it was very successful, uh, very well-liked, high re highly regarded. Uh, sadly, Hurricane Irma uh, blew that away. My wife's family is from Chicago, and we moved here in, I think, 93. My wife was invited by her grandfather to come to Chicago and help him run the Bitter End Yacht Club decided to uh, make this our home. So You love the city, but I'm, I'm curious what you thought about the pizza situation, because I moved here in 93 also, and there was, you know, there's the deep and there's the tavern. We've had this stuffed, as we've talked about this as well on the show, um, but not a lot of artisan, not a lot of Neapolitan, not a lot of other interesting things, certainly no, no Sicilian, maybe one at D'Amato's. That was about it. Yeah, that, that's true, and there was a little bit at, I think it's at La Appetito, they had, they had an interesting kind of, what I remember, what they were serving there was similar to what I grew up with in, in New York. It was a soft, soft bread with a light tomato sauce and uh, cheese on top of it. But, uh, I mean, Chicago at the time, it was, it was hard to get a thin slice of pizza. There were, there were places like Cafe Luigi's, and it wasn't so much what Chicago pizza was at the time. It was really, I just couldn't get a, sli a thin slice of pizza on a regular basis, so I figured I'd make it myself. So you start tinkering in your home kitchen um, and what were those first months like? Uh, I was making some pretty bad pizzas. <laughs> so, and were you like, come on, I know what good pizza is, why can't I figure it out? I, yeah, I was surprised to find that it was as difficult as it was because initially when I, thought of, when I thought about making pizza, I said I've been watching people make pizza all my life. 
Uh, and it's just flour, water, yeast, a little bit of salt. What's, what's the big deal? I'll figure this out. So I made a couple of pizzas and they were terrible and I made a few more and they were awful. And then, and then I got really obsessed with it and I was, I went through literally hundreds of recipes. I made a, over, a, over a few year period, I made thousands of pizzas. And, uh, were you looking at things like uh, Bread Baker's Apprentice or any of the books that were out there, or are you just looking online? There was no online, or there was online, but like, what were you looking at? Yes, I did look at uh, the break, uh, Bread Baker's Apprentice, uh, Peter Reinhardt's books. I, I was looking at uh, Nancy Silverton's uh, baking books. Uh, I was kind of I was reading pretty much any book any book on baking and specifically with pizza that I could get my hands on. They put me in a position where I could begin to improvise. I began to know enough about the dough and enough about their methods that then I started kind of playing and combining different ideas and uh, breaking all the rules, putting them back together, and uh, really sort of coming up with what is ultimately sort of just my own recipe that's that's based on a lot of study but also a lot of improvisation. One of the things I noticed over the years is that balancing the flavor of my crust with the tomatoes that I use was critical. I probably bought every every tomato can in the retail market that's available in Chicago and perhaps beyond. I've tried pretty much every San Marzano tomato uh, product out there, which I love, but with my crust, it's, for me, it's just not a good match. And so were you looking for, when you were trying to find that ideal pizza, were you trying to find something that would remind you of Sal's as a kid or your New York experiences, or were you just f trying to figure out something that was enjoyable to you because at this time you were an adult, you were not a kid anymore in Woodhaven. So what were you looking for when you were going through all this R&D? Well, so I was looking for, I was, I was not looking for a, a Sal's slice of pizza. Um, I was actually looking for pizzas that I, that I found later on when I started to venture out into Manhattan and I was down in the village in the, in the mid-70s, early 80s and going to Lombardi's and Arturo's and John's and those were, that's when I sort of really discovered what pizza could be as opposed to, I mean the, the street slices are terrific, they were terrific, but when the, going down to the village and going to those restaurants, it was, it was just, it was something else. And that was my, that's what I was aiming at. I noticed as I began to tinker with my ingredients that I was getting ever closer to that. And uh, even with a home oven, um, which I had to modify slightly. That's where the engineering comes in handy to retrofit or yes. fix your governor on your oven at home? Yes, I pulled out the thermostat, did a little research on thermostats and just tweaked it a little bit to, to pull me up to about 600 degrees. And uh, that's kind of the, the real sweet spot for making, making a great pizza in a home oven. Yeah, full disclosure. So you and I met years ago when you were doing this tinkering. How many years ago was that when you lived in the apartment where we knew the, um, the Mosiers? Probably at least 10 years ago. Yeah, so you were tinkering, I remember, and you had all your dough laid out there, and you had your containers and your buckets, and you fixed your, the governor on the oven, and you were at 600 degrees. And I remember the remarkable, the crumb was so incredible on your heel, on your cornicione. Um, was that like a personal point of pride for you that you got this, achieved this beautiful crumb on this pizza in a home oven? Yes, yes, particularly, and not just the look of it, but the, the flavor of it was really critical. And one of the, actually one of the points of pride for me was, because when I was first making pizza, some of the pizza would be really chewy, some of them would be hard and cracker-like, and then I began to aim at the crack of the slice, what I consider, what I call the heel. I wasn't so much focused on the heel, I was sort of focused on how the, how the pizza broke underneath that. 
uh, that little sort of diamond wedge that you get when you fold a, when you fold my slice of pizza in half, uh, you get a little crack at the base of the heel as as you hit the bottom, and it, to me, looking at the structure in that in that crack when it cracks, because you can see that it's both chewy and crunchy at the same time because it hasn't broken through, uh, but it's cracked enough. You can hear that nice crack, but then the the pizza itself's got a really nice chew to it. Uh, that's where I focused a lot of my um, research on and how to make that happen. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking to Robert Garvey about how he achieves his beautiful artisan pie here in Chicago at Robert's Pizza and Dough Company. We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Robert Garvey this week, uh, owner, founder, Pizzaolo at um, Robert's Pizza and Dough Company here in Chicago. And we, where are we? We're in Streeterville, kind of on the eastern edge of downtown on the, what do you call this, the Ogden Slip? Ogden, Ogden, we're on the Ogden Slip. I mean, our, we, have, we sort of have two addresses. It's 411 East Illinois, which is the one everybody knows. And then we have our main entrance, which is 465 uh, North McClurg, which is just around the back side of the building. Uh, but it's a beautiful, quiet spot on the Ogden Slip. You have what you call an artisan-style pizza, yeah? Yes. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a, a thin crust with a nice, uh, nice big heel on it. It's both a sort of a crunchy, nice crunch, a nice chew to the to the to the crust as well. Big bold flavor in the crust, uh, which, you know, that's why I was talking about the tomatoes earlier. Is that balancing, balancing the flavor profiles on on my pizza and that crust are very are critical to the experience of, of having one of our pies. And so can you talk about the dough a little bit? I don't want you to give away your secrets because you spent a lot of time working on this, but in general, like the flours or the amount of fermentation time or even just the amount of hydration in your dough. Yeah, I don't generally talk too much about, about all those things, but I, we do do a two to three day uh, cold ferment. Uh, and I, I do have a, have a nice rise on the dough. I'm very particular about how the dough is spread uh, what the oven temperatures, the, the oven temperatures are critical, the spreading of the dough is critical, the fermentation is critical, uh, to sort of creating the product that, uh, that I'm looking for, which is, again, a nice thin, but a little bit of char on it. Uh, I, I'm looking for kind of a deep brown crust with a little bit of char. Um, it's an even caramelization. There is no leopard spotting at all because you're using a gas-fired Marsal oven. Right. And also, I'm, I'm, not, I'm cooking at about... 575, 600 degrees is, is, is kind of the sweet spot for us. Uh, so the even's very, uh, the, the heat is very even. Um, unlike the, and I'm also cooking in, you know, five to seven minutes as opposed to a 90 second uh, wood burning oven pizza, which, you know, those, those ovens are much hotter than, than what I'm working with. And they, uh, so the bottom on a pizza like that is very different. I'm kind of looking for a, a deep brown in the, on the bottom of my pie with also that same deep brown on the top with a little bit of char on it. Uh, and I'm also looking, you know, what's really critical is that the top of the pizza is cooking at the same time as the bottom. You know, I don't lift my pizzas up into the dome or anything like that. I get a nice even heat throughout, throughout the oven. Like my dough will not work in a wood burning oven. It will incinerate, you know, immediately. So finding the right oven was critical. And what I did years ago when, when I was first thinking about opening a restaurant when we op before we opened the one at uh, Bitter End, 
I literally took bags of my dough to the restaurant show uh, where a lot of the manufacturers had their ovens and I tested, I put my dough into their ovens and uh, tested many ovens that way until I found one that worked, uh, that worked for me. And it does, it does a great job. So. Yeah, I've seen the Marsals frequently now. I own Pizzeria Bibu in town uses it as well. It's, you've got a lot of control over it too. But that stone is important because it's a porous. It pulls the moisture away from the bottom. You get that crispy undercarriage that you love. Right. And it's a nice, I believe the stones are probably two inches thick on the, on the oven. So it just, we've just get a, we just get a nice steady heat all around the pizza. And that's kind of what, what I found to be uh, critical in the making of my pies. So what about toppings? Um, an artisan place implies something more than just tomato sauce and fresh mozzarella. We're doing a lot in-house. Uh, I mean, obviously, we, we make our own sauce as well. Uh, we use a nice fresh, uh, fresh uh, mozzarella. By Some, the way, you said San Marzano's from California you like. Uh, I actually use a plum tomato. Oh, from plum. It's, a, it's a nice plum tomato uh, from, from California. It's a nice, it's a light, sweet tomato. Uh, that just kind of works very well with uh, with my crust. Uh, do you need to add anything to it? Basil, garlic, anchovy? Yeah, I, I do a, a kind of a, a, we do add a little basil, a little bit of oregano, salt. In-house we're making, we do our own fennel sausage. Um, and that's important in Chicago. So you probably didn't grow up with fennel sausage, um, or if you did, it was sliced from a like a link in, in the East Coast typically, not a lot of fennel. But in the Midwest, as you know, bulk sausage, lots of fennel, important. Uh, yes, and uh, we've got a terrific, uh, we've got a great spice mix uh, for the sausage, and you know we grind it up pretty much every day, and we case some of it, and we grill it for our for the grilled sausage and the caramelized onion pizza, and then we keep we keep some of it raw for the J pizza, which is a, the raw uh, raw sausage cooked with a little bit of Calabrian pepper. So one's a little, one of those pizzas is a little bit sweet, and the other is uh, is really hot. And the New Yorker and you can appreciate still this sort of the crumbled raw sausage going out of the pizza. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a purist. One of the, I'm I'm really not. One of the one of the things that you know, pizza is something to be enjoyed, and and I, um, I mean, obviously we we spend a lot of time curating the pies here at Roberts, but. You know, we do everything from a basic cheese pizza to, you know, our exotic seafood pizza, or we're doing a, a, a pizza with, with uh, cured duck breast. Uh, in the future, we'll be, you know, I'll be doing Peking duck. We do a great seafood pizza with clams and calamari. So uh, I love doing those pizzas, but I love a good cheese pizza. So if, and if my guests come in with special requests, I, I try to accommodate them. It's like... And what about cheese? So some guys in Chicago are using Grande, but then other people, I just talked to Anthony Falco on the East Coast. He's like, you know, Grande's a big, big company. He likes Belgioso. Do you have a preference on the cheeses? Yeah, I do. Actually, I do like uh, Grande. I've, I've tried Belgioso, but I think, again, it, you know, it, it depends on the pizza you're making. It depends on the ovens you're working with. I've tried Belgioso. It's a very nice cheese. But for the pizza that I make, the, the Grande is the, has been better. It's a better fit for what I do. Um, when someone like you has done all this research and development, you figured out what you what you want, what works on your pizzas and in your oven. Do you even need to go to the Pizza Expo to see what's out there? Because why would you need to be convinced to try a different sauce or a different cheese or you know a different tomato? I mean, you kind of you're set at this point, right? No, I don't. I don't think we're ever set. I I, I think it's always fun to learn new things. Uh, there's some great guys that are always out. You know, at Pizza Expo, like Tony Gemignani and John Arena, and uh, Nino Coniglio, and uh, 
you know, there's lots to learn. And one of the things, you know, I basically came up with, a good example of this, I basically came up with my recipe after five or six years of kind of working on my own. Um, and then I, at that point, then I studied with other pizziolas like Tony Gemignani and uh, Santa Bruno and uh, even I learned how to make pizza with Tony Priola here at uh, Piccolo Sonia. And I always thought that I would then take what they taught me, go back and like improve my recipe. And I would take some of their techniques and some of their products and say, oh, I'll use this flour, I'll use, and I'll use their proportions and this will help this. And it, it, it never did. Uh, but what it did do is it taught me, it gave me a deep understanding of why my recipe works the way it does. Because by changing it under, you know, by changing it with, with, some, of the, with some of the ideas that they had, it really helped me deepen my understanding of exactly why my crust does. And I've been able to take a three, you know, a home recipe where I make three pizzas and turn it into, uh, you know, a restaurant where we, we're doing two or 300 pizzas. So. And that's pretty generous of them to give them, to give their time to you to let you come in and, and work with them because that probably doesn't happen all the time. No, and um, particularly um, uh, Tony Priolo here in Chicago has just been amazing. I mean, Tony was very gracious and always let me into his kitchen and still does uh, for that matter. I mean, Tony's just been remarkable. So, Okay, last question we ask everybody here on the show. Knowing what you know now about pizza making, and it's been a long road for you, what kind of advice would you give yourself 10 years ago before you really jumped into this head first? Boy, that's... <laughs> Ultimately... You know, I like to do things that I enjoy. I was clearly very passionate about pizza and very passionate about this product and then ultimately about bringing this product, you know, to market. I don't know that I would tell myself anything different or anybody else. I think what's important if you're going to enter this business is that you're really passionate about the work that you do because it is, it is a tremendous amount of work. Uh, I'm, I'm generally often here at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and I'm usually not out the door till. 10 o'clock at night, you know, and, uh, and I like it, you know, I like making the dough in the morning, I like working with my crew, uh, I love meeting all of my guests at night, you know, so there's many facets to, to this business that, that I really enjoy, and I think anybody going into it needs to recognize that they need to have the passion, and need to be willing to work extremely hard, um, and very, very long hours. Payoff is not necessarily money, but the satisfaction of seeing happy guests uh, enjoying your product, probably. Yes, uh, but making money is 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 definitely part of the part <laughs> yeah. of that part of that equation. <laughs> Got to pay the cooks. We've, you right. know, it, it is it is a it is a business, but it's a, but it's a it's a business that we're passionate about. That you know we aren't going to compromise on our quality and sort of keep producing the the product that that we're known for. So. Next time you're in Chicago, come see Robert at Robert's Pizza and Dough Company. Uh, as you said, he's over at 411 East Illinois or 465 North McClurg. It's right in the corner of McClurg and Illinois. Robert Garvey, thanks so much for your time, and uh, good luck with uh, your first year here. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it. So far, it's been great. And one more thing to point out, we didn't talk about this in the interview, but gluten-free pizza. Robert has come up with a gluten-free option, so when you're bringing in those relatives or friends to Chicago um, to try Robert's, definitely, if they are gluten-free, feel good about the pizza that he offers there. All right, coming up in two weeks, we talk with the chef and author of a new book on pizza. If the dough is too easy to work with, it's probably has too much flour in it, right? It's like gnocchi. Right, when you're making gnocchi and you're like, wow, this is easy to roll out, 
uh, it's probably because there's too much flour in it. Same with the dough. Um, you know, but chefs like to complicate it and, and talk about, you know, hydration ratios and fermentation time. Really, it's about how much water you put in the dough and how long you let it rise. I'll talk with Miami's Michael Schwartz, whose new book, Genuine Pizza, Better Pizza at Home, out on store shelves right now, about how to make great pizza at home. That's in two weeks on August 30th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and please review us. That would really help us out. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, but on Twitter it's at Pizza City Tours. And speaking of tours, take one the next time you're in Chicago. More information about those and how to get my book at PizzaCityUSA.com. Or just yell at me on social media, at Steve Delinsky. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop, where Pat's Pizza is currently selling its one-of-a-kind tavern style. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, optimal bite ratio, always. <laughs>